As leaders, it's so easy for us to get caught up in tasks, strategies, and our to-dos. But all of those things have no value if we don't know how to take care of the people we oversee. If strategies and tasks cause us to neglect our people, then no matter the results we're getting, they're worthless. So how do we lead at a high level, get incredible results, while still taking care of our people? Well, welcome to the Good Leader Podcast. Good afternoon or good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the next edition of the Good Leader Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today from wherever you are trying to be a good leader. Today, we continue our conversation about cross-generational leadership, and I am thrilled to have a boomer. Yes, boomer. Don't worry, you are not forgotten, boomers. You're out there. The baby boomer generation, which I don't even know if people are even calling it the baby boomer generation anymore. It's just called boomers. Okay, boomer. We're going to dive into what it means to be a boomer in the workplace. What is good leadership to a boomer? And we're going to bring on a boomer and ask these questions as we try to lead our teams in the best way possible. So today, it's all about the good old days and rotary phones. That's what we're talking about today. I can't wait to talk about rotary phones, though I don't know what they are. You, The chasm between <laughs> us continues to widen. Ken Thompson knows what a rotary phone is. I guarantee you that. Absolutely. And all the boomers out there listening know what a rotary phone is. Just as a recap, Ange is technically a millennial. I am technically a millennial. But as we've discussed before, the year you're born is not as important as your worldview. And today we're going to talk to Ken Thompson, who has a great worldview, I believe, and we can learn a lot from him regardless of our age. We're also going to dive into five rites of passage that people step into in adulthood. And so, Ange, the five rites of passage, you know what these are? I think I do. Do you know? Let's, this is a quiz. I'm going to quiz I you. I quiz you. I come up with quizzes all the time for you. You know, I'm trying to see. I'm trying yeah, to see how old recently, you actually are. Yes. <laughs> I think you I think you actually might be like 21 years old. I, I, I have not seen a birth certificate, and I think you might just be I messing not, with everybody. I am not 21. I'll take it. If you think I'm 21, I'll take it. But I'm I'm only going I'm by your cultural references and lack of knowledge past the year 1995. So there are five rites of passage. Class. Yeah classically in American culture that define adulthood. So basically we're answering the question and this is from our material from 8 track to emoji. What is an adult? At what point do you become an adult? Now what's interesting is you go cross culturally across civilizations across time that definition changes. You know, you think of like I think of like Judaism and a and a bar mitzvah that you're stepping into adulthood that you have this moment where I am a child to an adult and we recognize it culturally. Well, American culture we're the melting pot. We don't have that. So over the last 100 years or so, we've had the same five rites of passage. Now, that's debatable. This is 100% debatable. This is not the gospel. This is not like, yes, the live or die by this thing. It's just an interesting way to think about it. Hmm. Do you remember what those five are? We've talked about this in the past. Like I said, I'm going to quiz you. Do you remember what any of the five are? And okay. if you're at home, feel free to guess. When does one become an adult in American culture? In American culture, they graduate. Correct. Get married. Correct. Have a child. Correct. Begin a career. That's correct. Ding, ding, Is ding, ding, ding. Is that all five? You're, that's all five. You are on fire, young lady. It's very it's like impressive. I've, me- I've memorized your content or something. That is very <laughs> impressive. Uh, you've got a future in in reading content <laughs> and typing Reading it. your content. <laughs> <laughs> we got five Nice. Things, and you nailed it. 
Number one is graduate something, typically high school when you're thinking of American culture. So you graduate high school. And if you're listening to this at home and thinking, what are they talking about? This is, when do you view someone as an adult? Like if I just said, I, I'm a dad, I have three kiddos, I've got an 11-year-old, I got an eight-year-old, and I got a three-year-old. Well, just by that quick description, you probably didn't go, oh, I bet that 11-year-old's really bringing home the bacon. She is an adult. <laughs> No, when I said an 11, 8, and 3, you automatically connotate childhood, right? That's what you think of. But if I said, hey, I'm a dad, I've got a 22-year-old, oh, you got some questions about the 22-year-old that define childhood and adulthood. That's why over the last few years, adulting has actually become a term that makes sense to us because we have to know when does someone become an adult. And for us, age plays a part, but that's not really the defining factor in American culture. It's more about your achievements, which is graduation, marriage, having kids, having a career or jobs, and buying a house. Now, once again, I'm not putting a value statement on this. This is not to say you have to get married to be an adult. No, 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 no. Especially not here at the Good Leader Podcast. I don't care if you do any of those five, but it's just how people perceive it. It's how the perception of are you an adult And that matters when we're leading people because I think of this, Anj, if I'm speaking to someone and I start talking about healthcare and they're like, oh, I'm on my mom and dad's insurance. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So you're still on your mom and dad's insurance. Well, I automatically go, okay, you're kind of an adult, but you don't take care of your own healthcare or, oh yeah, my dad pays for my car insurance. Oh, okay. Uh, Or, well, I'm I'm still on my mom and dad's cell phone plan because we get a really good deal. Oh, Okay, versus, now here's the reason this matters and the reason we're talking about today. Those five rites of passage are pretty much the same for my parents and grandparents. It hasn't changed all that much. I will say buy a house is probably the one that's the most fluid now. But by and large, those five indicators are how we think of matriculation through adulthood. Like I'm stepping another threshold, another threshold. So they're the same for me. They're the same for my grandma. The difference is my grandma did all five of those in a week. My grandma graduated, eloped and got married. They came home to the house that they had purchased. My grandpa went to work. And nine months later, my uncle Johnny was born. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It was like there was a very clear distinction between childhood and adulthood. I am a child today, but now I am stepping over this threshold. And you generally did all of those in a relatively short amount of time. Now, typically, it takes years We call this a paradigm shift, emerging adulthood. Like I'm emerging into adulthood slowly. Yes, I graduated college or graduated high school, but I'm going to college. I'm still on my parents' insurance. I don't own a house. I don't know what career I want. I'm not even thinking about getting married. Average age, I think in 2014, the latest data that I've memorized was 29 years old for a male, 28 years old for a female. We're not even thinking about getting married as a culture. And I'm certainly not thinking about kids. So it takes 10 years or so. That matters when we're thinking of how we work with people because we even have this term, like I said, adulting. So if we're challenging people that I'm adulting today, well, I hope you're adulting today. You're my accounting clerk. I hope you're adulting today. You are my new hire. You know, I mean, adulting is hard. Well, I hope so. I hope you've managed some of it because I'm paying you money. You're on my team. I'm giving you this responsibility. So we want to dive into that more closely when what do these boomers think about people in their lives that are the age of their children or their grandkids? What's that like? What's it like to report to someone who is the age of your grandchild? 
Now, it's going to be really cool because I think Ken Thompson, William McKinley Thompson, who we're interviewing today, bucks the trend a little bit because I think he's done a great job of navigating. I've known him for about 20 years. He does a great job of working with all generations. I've seen it in action. He's a speaker, a facilitator. And there's some interesting things like he didn't even get married till later in life. So he's kind of this anomaly. But I think we can learn from him in the way that we connect with cross generations because I'm still trying to figure out what generation I'm even in, Anch, because the more we talk, I feel like a grandpa over here. And you are, I don't know, I, like I keep saying you're 12 young. years old. But yeah, young. yeah, young. it's just Good what they would you. call it. <laughs> I guess. I don't know what it is, but it is something. If you're saying oh. the opposite of a grandpa, I mean. <laughs> well, it could be the op- yeah. I'm just seasoned. That's what it is. I'm seasoned. I'm experienced. So because of that, I think did you? Well, have, you're not did you have even a, that old. I'm. Thank you, Anj. I appreciate that. But I feel like it. Did you have a quiz for me? You said you challenged me before <laughs> the show, and you're like, "Hey, I'm going to put you on the spot today." Do you have a quiz before we get to the Ken Thompson interview? Yeah. Okay. There's 15 things that I found that okay. they're saying that only boomers. They actually call yeah. them baby boomers on this one. That well, that's only, great. That's what they are. Yeah, that only baby boomers remember. I feel like you're gonna hit all fifteen, but I'm I'm gonna gauge your your generational well, mindset this will be good. based this will on be how good. many of these you remember. This will be good for the audience too. So if you can identify with these, maybe you're in the boomer generation. The boomer generation, I mean, if we're talking technically speaking, there the boomer generation are those we, we should have probably clarified this at the very beginning. But boomers were those people born from basically nineteen forty four to 1965. Now, once again, that's ish on both ends. We're talking about World War II ends and people are coming home and we're making babies, baby. That's what we're doing. The war's been going on. We got a lot of energy. We're going to expend it and we're going to make some babies. And so we had this baby boom from 1945 to 1965-ish, probably a little bit younger than that by most accounts, 1945 to 1960. So somewhere in there, once again, ish on both ends. The more important thing is how you identify with the pop culture and technology and life events around you. That's probably what this list is going to hit. So take it away, Ange. Are you a boomer quiz? Okay, but when I ask these, I'm not asking if you know them. Like, oh, okay. that's it. Yeah, I know what that is. I need to know you used. I experienced it. Yes. Oh, okay, that's good. Because okay, that's I, good. theoretically, I know all the things on this quiz, but I got to know you saw this thing. You owned this thing. Okay, that's good. Well, theoretically, okay. you do, probably don't know everything on this quiz, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I know I about the Titanic. Them. I know about the Titanic. I did not ride the Titanic. I did not see the Titanic. Correct, correct. Got it. Yes. Got it. Which is yeah. okay, bring it a on. lot of bring it a on. lot of distinctions I should have made three episodes ago about myself, but whatever. So fifteen things. Number one, this is we've talked about this. <laughs> we have a rotary phone. Oh, well, you that's remember. fantastic. You remember this. I do remember. Now I will say it's the tail end. It. It's the tail end. But yes, I've used a rotary phone. I 100% know how they work. Um, if you if you want to Google it up, my boomers and even my older, my gen, my gen uh, Xers out there, Google up. Kids try to use rotary phone as a YouTube video. It is hilarious. <laughs> this mom gives her teenage son. She has it plugged in. It's totally free to use. She said, here you go. Use this. And they could not figure it out. It is. Well, it took them a long time to figure it out. It is hilarious. What's next? All right. So we've got we've got one mark for you out of the 15. All right. Next one is putting baseball cards on your bike spokes. Yeah. On your bicycle wheels. Okay. Yes. That's a boomer yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. absolutely. It's I guess old so because thing. I sound concerned or confused. You, so. <laughs> no, you do sound really confused. No, you put you put cards. You either put like playing cards or by, and I will say I did not do this, with like but a I know what it is. Clip with like yeah, a you put little... it on and it makes a sound. It's like 
Oh. It's cool. It makes a sound when you when you ride. So it's just cool. Have you ever seen the old school movie uh, It? They do it in the movie It a lot, like their baseball cards yes. they put on the wheel. Anyway, that's, th- that's actually, what they're doing. I was just thinking, oh, I've seen that in movies, but yeah. Well, that's what they're doing. It's set in the 50s, so, but I did not do that as a kid. That was not a trend or a thing. That. So, did I, you, so you, no, didn't have, you didn't have friends I, who did that? I, no, I would say that's one thing I knew about it, but that's not me. That's certainly not me. I don't identify with that. Okay. On the, well, to be I'm honest. so glad for you that you know the language to clarify yourself like this, because I could have <laughs> answered like this 15 yeah. times in the last three episodes. <laughs> So I really set you up for such a win. Okay. A Swanson TV dinner. Did you did you eat them? Okay, yeah. When TV dinners came out, it was a big deal to people. I guess I mean, you're, so. You're going I, can, to, I like, cannot wow. figure out why looking well, at think the picture. About it. Okay, here, I can explain why. This is because, Andre, because you're 12 years old. You don't remember a time. I'll say this. Microwaves, I, microwaves would be on my list because I remember life before a microwave and after a microwave. You probably okay, are going, well, like, what? People I'm didn't have microwaves? I'm mark for you then. <laughs> Well, because here's why. Think about it. Before TV dinners and before that, you had to prepare food like like from scratch. People made their food. So the evolution of frozen food, TV dinners, speed, efficiency, like, wow, we don't have to cook for an hour. No, you get home, pop it in the oven, and it's ready. All right. Tin foil on the TV antenna. <laughs> okay. Now, yes, to get better reception. I will say this is more my grandparents, but yeah, at their house, messing with the rabbit ears to get it to come in. Yes. 100% my childhood. Yes. You're messing with rabbit ears, putting tinfoil on it. Yes. So I'd probably, I'd probably actually give my, I've experienced that a lot in my own household. I'd probably have to accept that one as a ding. All That's right. me. Seeing an advertisement for tobacco. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, duh. Abs- I know. I knew absolutely. that would be you. Did you Lots ever, you, yes. did you ever use a payphone? Yes, of course I've used a payphone. Okay, well, I'm trying. I'm not. Did, okay, I'm actually curious. You've this, never like, used a payphone? No. Why would oh, I have used a payphone? Okay, you're legitimately surprising. I know people at home probably think this is a bit that I'm over-exaggerating. <laughs> I'm legit surprised by that. I I'm, legitimately, I, I've had a phone since I was like 14. Why, why, have I, why would I have had to use a payphone? Uh, because, like, I, 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 honestly, I'm genuinely surprised. I mean, I'm not going to be eight years old. I, because I, I know, be, I, well... I know because I know I know I tease that you're 12, but you're also I know that you're you're in your late 20s. That I'm not 12. <laughs> I know. Well, you you know, but you're, com- you're coming off as 12. I honestly that just shows the perception as you get older. And this is I know that people can identify with this boomers certainly, but even as you get older, the, the it gets harder and harder to imagine people not experiencing these things. Like really, yeah, of course I've used a payphone. I didn't have a cell phone until I was an adult. I feel like if so you ask the people teenager, we work with, they would say the same thing. Like, I know, no, I but that just one. makes me feel old again. I know, <laughs> but if when we're talking to Ken Thompson, hey, Ken Thompson, you ever used a payphone? Of course he has. Hey, Kevin Ragsdale, you ever used a payphone? Of course they have. Ask your mom and dad, have you used a payphone? Of course they have. And it's surprising to me that you have. I know that you had a cell phone, but it's surprising that you have never, ever used a cell phone. I remember giving like phone cards. Phone cards came out that was a big deal where you could actually use a payphone without having to have change. That you could call a oh, number. Like a subway and, card or something? Yes. Yes, like mm. that. Yes, I've so used you can actually card. use it. Well, I'm born from, I'm in the sticks. We didn't have a subway. All right, what's the next one? Payphones, okay, 100%. Am, I'm so curious payphones, on this Payphones, they put payphones on a boomer list? Okay, I'm starting to question this list. That's well, a little- Well, welcome to my world here. Okay, all right, all right. This one I'm, I'm curious about. Did okay. you Did you have a milkman? Oh, no. I'm not the milkman. Okay. Bring on the next one. All right. No way. This is This one's random. Don't like salad? Well, your mom put it in Jello, and you were expected to eat every bite. <laughs> like a Jello a fruit Jell-O salad. Dish. 
Okay, it that's looks not me. So gross. It is gross, but it's kind of like the TV dinners. So remember, you're coming out of the era where people are coming out of, and actually, most food advancements come from the military. So you're coming out of World War II and through the '50s, whenever food technology, frozen foods, fast foods, convenient foods were all the rage, and so people using Jello was like Jello fancy. salads, like a Jello that's salad. That's what this and they ad ha- says. Jello it is. Salad. It is salad. fancy stuff. Now that's not me though. I know about it. I'm I'm old enough, and maybe if this is goes once again, maybe I just heard so many stories, or I grew up around my grandparents. But that was a big deal, not a big deal during my childhood. That would be something I know about, I didn't experience. Okay, yeah, I'm glad I missed that one. What's next? Jello. Have fruit you salad. ever used Have you ever used a typewriter? Anch, get ready to make fun of me. Now this one, I will take the hit. Yeah, this one, as I call you twelve, you could probably call me <laughs> seventy four on this one. Okay, every single paper I turned in in high school was typed on a typewriter. Every in high one. school? I'm going to be school. honest. I thought you were going to say in college. So actually that you didn't, you didn't even age yourself as much as I thought. I thought like, yeah, surely he wow. graduated college, got no, rid of his typewriter you're, and got you're it. You're already, you're giving me, you're, you're beyond giving me the benefit of the doubt. Now you're just assuming like, well, you were riding your horse to college, right? That you got in your, your horse and buggy. Taking I mean, me down actually to for, for where University. you grew up, I actually might, wouldn't have been super surprised. By All that. right. Enough, enough. <laughs> yeah. I, now that may be also too, because we talk about age and this is important when you're talking about worldviews and to give the leadership lesson here, just because someone's of a certain age doesn't mean that they're up on technology. Even if we yeah. talk now, if we're talking about, are you up on technology? I guarantee you, I've worked in schools in rural Appalachia with students who they're back about 10 to 15 years. It's not like they're running around with the trendiest everything. So that's the same thing for me. It's not like other people my age were certainly not using typewriters. It just so happened I lived in a rural area. We had a typewriter. (laughs) We didn't need a computer. We did not get on the internet. The internet didn't even exist in our world. And so, yes, I 100% used a typewriter all the way through the year 2000 when I went to college. So yeah, I've (laughs) used a typewriter a bunch. Okay, well, not going to be there. And then did you look numbers up in a phone book? Yes. Oh my Lord, have mercy. I looked fo- numbers in a phone book as a working adult. Yeah, well, I want to give you two points for that, but I'll just stick to one. <laughs> did you <laughs> did you use the knobs on t- on a TV to change the channel? Like, did you have to get up and use the knob? Am I a boomer? Yes, of course I got up and changed the channel on the TV. <laughs> that was my job as a child. I think people had kids so that we were, we were the original remote control. Hey, son, go change the channel. So we get him change the channel. You clicked it. You clicked it really big, like two, six, eight, and then channel 23, channel 41. That's what we had. I've never done that, but <laughs> I do remember my parents talking about that too. I am, this is going to be interesting. Um, a five and dime store. Is that like a yeah, dollar five tree? And dime. <laughs> it's the predecessor. So yeah, it's the five and dime. <laughs> and yes. you shot and you went there. Yes. Yes. We're, we're I, moving you right up. I'd give myself a half on that one. I don't know that I'm total five and dime generation. I know exactly what it is. But did you, th- did you go in to one? Yeah, I think so. I would have been really young, but I think they were around when I was a kid. And we, yes, I think so. Okay. We certainly didn't have Dollar Tree. It was the five and dime. All right, then yeah, I'm keeping it. The very first (laughs) season of Saturday Night Live. I don't know. I didn't know it went back that far. It's like 40 something years old. It's only, it came out mid 70s. Mid 70s. No, I was not alive. Okay. All right. You saved yourself on that one. Praise God. Wood paneled station wagons. Uh, No, that would be before me too. That'd be before me. That trend, that era is before me. Last one. Okay. Uh, Did you ever have to talk to an operator? Talking to an operator. (laughs) Do you even know what that means? I only know because I watched- Do you know what that means? I only know because I watched Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. (laughs) 
you probably never watched it, so it's a very crude show, but um, <laughs> she's like an operator at a mall or something. Yeah, okay. No, I, I well, yes and no. I Oh my gosh, you can't call it an operator anymore, can you? Well, no, that's what, okay. I'm definitely, oh. I'm definitely marking you for this. One. No, hold on. There's a difference. <laughs> you literally just, <laughs> I almost should put like three points for the way you just responded. <laughs> I, well. It, okay. Uh, are, are you a boomer? 15. <laughs> you're not 15 out of 15, but you're 11 out of 15. Oh my gosh. The I, operator so thing though. You might be a little older than you think in your heart. Well, but the, the thing about being the operator, I'm I'm also old enough or know about old enough. There's a difference. You used to have to call the operator to call out. So you would always call the operator and then they would <laughs> connect you like on the big switchboard and call you out. That's like my mom's. My mom is a boomer and that's her generation. I did not have to do that. You could pick up the phone and call somebody, but you could also pick up the phone and call zero and talk to the operator and say, hello, operator. I'm trying to reach. Someone picked Andre- up every time. Andrea. Yeah, you dialed wow. zero. Someone picked up every time. Of course they did. It was their job. They're the <laughs> operator. Oh, Aunt, Aunt. I'm just so confused Aunt. how that worked. Like, how did, I guess if you call, it's like if you call 911, someone picks up every time. So I guess that, that makes sense. Ladies and gentlemen, when we get back from the break, we're going to hear from <laughs> William McKinley Thompson III, a boomer who evidently shares the same generation as me. He's 65 and I just gained 20 years in one setting. Thank you very much. Anj, on the break, I'll try to educate Anj on all things pre-cell phone. See you in a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, and I am pleased to introduce to the show a friend of the show, a personal friend, a personal mentor of mine, and one of my favorite people on this planet, or any planet for that matter, William McKinley Thompson, named after the president, but doing much better in life. How are you, Ken Thompson? I am doing great. I'm very excited to be here. I'm looking forward to today. I think this is going to be a great conversation. Well, Ken Thompson, you are indeed a connoisseur of great conversations. And may I say, not to brag on you too much, you are one of the best leaders that I have ever known. And so here at the Good Leader Podcast, I want to get your perspective about boomers, boomers in the workplace, Gen Z, all of that stuff. So let's give the people some context. Let's not to be too personal or to pry, but how old are you, sir? And what with what generation do you identify? All right. So absolutely. In six days, I will be 65 years old. And uh, that puts me in the boomer category. And uh, not that I know that much about being a boomer, but uh, it makes me old. (laughs) Well, you are in the boomer category technically, but as Anj and I have broken down many times on the Good Leader podcast, we have to be careful with this. We can't put people in boxes all the time. And just because you're a certain age does not mean that you follow certain stereotypes. Now, in this conversation for the audience at home, this is not a prescription conversation. I have no idea what Ken is going to talk about. And in many ways, I do think he breaks the mold, but we'll see what he says about working with young people specifically, what it's like to be a boomer in the workplace. And he may give you some ideas on how to work better. He may give us some ideas on how to work with boomers better because Ken has acclimated himself very well. But before we get into that, you said you're 65, but we know that that just tells us one piece of the puzzle. Ken, I'm going to ask you three quick questions that we have termed generation identification, not just how old you are, but what are your points of reference? So let's start with a fun one. What's the pop culture icon that you grew up with? So what year were you born? I mean, without me having to do the quick math, what year were you born? Yeah, I was born in 1956. Okay, 56. Great. And what's your pop culture icon you remember as a kid? 
Gosh, you know, uh, when I was in fifth grade, I got to go see the monkeys and the fifth dimension and James Brown. Uh, my best friend, Sheldon Greenberg, his dad was with the music industry and uh, he was able to get us tickets. We took dates. We were so cool. Oh my gosh. A big deal. Ken, that is a big deal from little old Arkansas kid going to the big time concert. That's yeah, very I was impressive. in Wichita, Kansas at the time. Oh, okay. Wichita, so, is, now, are you from Arkansas or have I got that wrong? Are I you? was born there, but okay. actually while I was living in St. Louis, I got to go to see Cat Stevens wow. in uh, Keel Auditorium, which is, that was a really big time concert. My first big time concert as that I drove to. Okay, well, you're dropping some big references. Honestly, I'm impressed that you saw the Monkees and James Brown in concert. That is, that's very impressive. Ken, can you tell Ange a little bit who James Brown is? Um, I, I know, she, I know that the, Ow, hot tub. The, <laughs> the Godfather of Soul. She that's probably right. missed, she probably missed that one. She he's oh, he's yeah. a contemporary of Paul McCartney. There, Ange. Do you know James Brown? I know Paul McCartney better than I know James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate to say it, the only way that the monkeys got any press at all was when the the Shrek movie and they did the uh, remake of uh, "I Thought Love Was Only True in Fairy Tales." That's oh. right. I'm a believer. Hey, I'm Ken, a believer. I know. You'll be one. happy to know. I grew up watching the monkeys on Nick at Night, so I'm very very familiar with the monkeys. All right, they got one of the best theme songs ever. On Google oh, it oh, up. Gosh. Hey, hey, we're the I monkeys. Delayed, uh, yeah, I delayed my Halloween outing to watch the monkeys show come on when it originally came on. The Monkey Show was good. It was impressive. It's it's hijinks and hilarity at its finest. All right. Uh, okay, that's good. So we got a good pop culture reference. I got to be honest. Right now, my mom and dad are listening to the show and they're happy. They're saying, praise God, finally, we got somebody on this stinking show that I can identify with. Jared, you keep having all these young people and they're talking about the TikTok and the Twitter and the things. <laughs> Bring somebody on that knows what I'm talking about. So I got a second question for you, Ken. The piece of technology you remember wanting as a kid, you know, somewhere between that five and 15 range when you're like, oh, I hope I get this. What is it? Well, actually, I remember getting my first transistor radio, something to listen to around the pool, tick in the AM and the FM stations. It was quite the cool thing. Oh, a transistor. Hey, you could listen to your favorite song, but you'd have to wait because it was on the AM radio. There was no call it up. You had to wait for it, right? Well, and then I was telling Ange earlier, uh, when I was 16, I got my first turntable and it had the receiver and had the separate speakers. I mean, it was a, it was quite a big deal. That was quite the big, uh, 16 year old birthday present to get. Isn't it interesting, Ken, that I think this is cyclical, but isn't it interesting how over time, like you wanted the bigger, the stereo system, the better there was an A, you know what I'm saying? Like you wanted to stack on top and then you go through, it's like, Oh no, no, no. The smaller, the better, you know, look how compact we got down to an iPod mini, you know, it's like the the small. And then now you go, it's interesting how cyclical that is, but you're all, okay. So Ken, you are a music man. You're all over the music. So I'm curious how this next, we're going to take a little bit of a left turn with what, national or international event do you remember first taking notice of once again somewhere between between five and 15 like for me it's it's when challenger blew up it's when the berlin wall came down those are the things i remember something is happening in the world around me and i remember it being on the news mom and dad paying attention to it what what sticks out to you well when i was in second grade i remember when they announced that jfk had been shot look at Uh, this i was in school they announced it over the intercom my teacher started crying uh, we went to my grandparents, I think it was Thanksgiving vacation, and I remember seeing it on TV, uh, the funeral, uh, all of that was was there. And then later, when I was about 10 or so, I, the walking on the moon, they brought the TV into church. Wow. And we watched it. Wow. Uh, actually, we were at church. and so 
And that's, cool. that's a really cool, this is an interesting one because I think the JFK assassination is a little bit like 9-11 for a different generation where if you did not experience life before and after 9-11 and experience 9-11, it's hard for you to appreciate it. I think you can, you know, even describe what it's like. I think that's how I feel when I, when I listen to my mom and dad talk about the JFK assassination or listen to my grandparents talk about JFK and his impact on society and the world, I don't even understand it. I can't fully appreciate that. And I'm sure that because of that, we have to be aware that we don't judge people because of that, that we don't think less of people because it's like, ah, you don't even know about JFK. Ah, you don't even know what the impact of Vietnam, you know, you don't know the impact. I think you do a great job of not bringing judgment into this with cross-generational leadership. So let's talk about what it's like for you working with young people and what are your, some of your observations? Let's just start generally. You work with young people, you're a professor. And you have been a professor at a university for many years now, and you work with students through Paradigm Shift. You work with other adults. You do peer development. You do leadership development. You work with all ages. What are some notes, either high or low, that you notice about upcoming generations, established generations, and your observations? Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I think back in um, one of the things that was different about JFK in the time period was the respect we had for the presidency. And, you know, it's such a different culture in America. So it's not just generational, but everything has changed in terms of people's opinions, uh, their ability to express them, their freedom that they feel to express them. It's a different world than the one that, you know, when I was in second grade. I see a generation now that is a little more quick to judge. I, I see them as being a little bit less willing to take accountability. It's not my fault. Uh, Somebody else had an input and caused this to turn around this way. Uh, But at the same time, I work with some amazing students that aren't that way. So it's it's not not just a generational thing. It's also a personal thing, I think, in terms of your choice of I will be somebody who does things intentionally. I will be somebody who takes responsibility for my actions versus it's not my fault. What do you think has brought us to that place? What do you think's brought us? Because I would agree, but I don't think that's just young people. I think you're right, and that, that, that's that's kind of bleeding over into a lot of different areas and probably a lot of different ages. This idea of a lack of accountability or ownership, taking personal responsibility for things. What do you think we need to do about that? I know that's a super deep question, but what do you think? That's a, that's a really tough one. Uh, but you know, I think students are doing a very good job of it. I think we have a lot of students that are right on point. That are, uh, I think that they're they they're readers. They're, they're people who are out looking to learn and to grow. Uh, they're people to, who are willing to change what they believe if they get the right input and they get the right information uh, going with them. I don't know. I, 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 I see my daughter. I can see some tinges of you know her wanting to be judgmental and her wanting to go along with the crowd. But I also see her processing and trying to figure out, no, let's look at more long term. Uh, I think a lot of our thinking now is short term and we make decisions that get us only through the next day and aren't looking to play the long game. They just know so much more than we did, Ken. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think they're exposed to so much more information. So we're looking at basically three generations here. I'm the oldest of the millennials. We're focused here on Gen Z at the moment of this conversation. And, and so, and you're a couple of generations above me and we're going, they just have so much information. And so I even think that ability to process is evolving kind of in real time as technology's increasing. With what you said about 
taking ownership, taking personal responsibility. You're really describing some good leadership habits that regardless of how old you are, we should probably have. Let me ask you the question we ask every generation that we've had here. What is good leadership to you? Wow. What is good leadership to me? I think it involves a lot of heart. I think it involves a lot of belief in the people that you're working with. I think it involves uh, caring, being that cheerleader, being that advocate. I think when I think of a good leader, I think of somebody who believes in the people that he's working with, wants the best for the people that he's working with, is not afraid to confront the people that he's working with and challenge them to grow and to do better and to do more, but that who also has a, a very basic, positive uh, mindset of we can get there. We can do this. This person can be epic with their uh, drive, their ability, the ways that they can change, the things that they can do. I think you have to have that. How do you confront people who don't want to take responsibility? If good leadership, like you just said, it's having heart and caring, but it's also this willingness, not being afraid to confront, while simultaneously we may be looking at a broad spectrum and generalizing here once again, but if people don't want accountability, how do you confront someone who doesn't want to take responsibility? Got any thoughts here for the Good Leader Podcast? Wow, that's really tough. You know, and again, I think truth is is a, always a, your friend. Sticking with facts is always your friend. Uh, looking long term is always your friend. So when you when you confront someone and you say, I'm wanting to see where you're going to go with the way that you're going right now. I want to look at this past tomorrow and next week. Let's talk about two years from now. These decisions, this thing that you're doing, this thing that you're not doing or you're not confronting, what are the natural steps that that's going to lead you to? How can we walk down that path and see where that's going? So I think there has to be some sit back, big picture. Let's talk about, is this going to get you where you want to go? Mm, that's so, so good. In fact, Anj, let's take note. Let's put it on the good leader wall of fame. Facts are friends. That's right up there <laughs> next to clarity is kind. Ken, let me ask you this then. You're a boomer. You are a working adult. I don't know how much longer you intend to work or how much you'd like to work. I would dare say, and I don't want to speak for you, but I'm assuming that the next chapter is within sight, whether we call that retirement, whether we call that something, you know, the next chapter. So with that in mind, what are you looking for in the workplace today? I mean, what are some things that either, you know, are great when you're working? If, in other words, if I'm a good leader out there listening to this or wanting to be a good leader and I've got boomers working with me or working for me or working around me, what's somebody at your stage in life really prizing in the workplace? What are you looking for from others? Wow. Uh, of course, one of the things that you want to look for is someone who has gone before you to boldly go where you've not been yet. So someone that wants to take you on and lead you. Uh, so I think the process of finding a mentor, finding people that, that would advocate for you, finding people that know you and want the best for you, I think that's also a part of, you know, when I think of my next steps, I think of, uh, number one, I love what I'm doing. So for me, retirement right now, I'm kind of thinking I'd love to do what I do, but maybe not as much of it, mm. you know, just some more flexibility to be more impactful. I want to have the most impact that I can have. There's not as much of life left for me. And so it becomes more important how I spend it and what I do. And I am looking for other people who have retired, what they're doing, how they're enjoying it, uh, where they spend their time. I was interviewing a kid the other day uh, talking about this college experience and I told him, I said, you're not sure what major you want to have. Try it on. 
You don't have to be married to it, but you're looking at, say, college of business. So start telling people, I want to be a business major. I want to try this on. I want to see what it looks like. And then listen to people say, hey, that fits you. That's really great. That's something I can really see you doing. Or is it something that once you put it on, it's maybe that's not for me. Maybe I don't really like what they do or what they have to do. It's just going to open doors. It's going to get people talking. It's a way to kind of give words to your commitments of your future. Ken, you said you're looking for someone who's boldly gone where you haven't gone to lead you, to be a mentor. To me, that flies in the face of my natural ideology. How do you find a mentor? Or if you're in the workspace, find mentors or people that are 20 years younger than you. When you do that, if you're the oldest person in the room, how do you do that? <laughs> I think that's tough. But I, I again, I, I guess probably I have to listen to my own words and say, sometimes you say that out loud. You start saying, I'm looking for a mentor. I'm looking hmm. for somebody who could really help me out here. And when you start to speak that out loud, other people around you, I believe, will come forward and say, hey, my uncle does that. And you say, why didn't you ever tell me that? Well, you never said you were looking for a mentor before. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Ken, can we get really honest then for a second? I think that people would appreciate it. Let's just let's just talk this out. I'm kind of I'm kind of taking off my interviewer hat because, like, okay, but technically speaking, through paradigm shift, I'm your overseer, but I don't feel like that. I mean, I respect you, I admire you. You're my mentor. I mean, and for the people for the people listening, I mean, one of my favorite photographs is my outstanding senior award, and it's me, you, and President Williams from our university, and. So I think you do this well, Ken. I don't know. I'm trying to brag on you a little bit and go, I think you've mastered this in some way. Is it humility? What's your secret? What is it? Because I think a lot of people have a hard time with this, that if they're looking around their workplace, they're going, I'm 25 years older than you. I've had more life experience than you. My children are your age. I know life more than you know life. I know things you don't understand, kid. And yet... I'm reporting to you, you're my boss, you're my overseer, you're my supervisor, and I choose to learn from you. How, how do you do that? How do you figure, have you figured that out, Ken? Are you figuring it out? I mean, for one thing, I think that what you're saying is, again, truth is your friend. So I can learn from anybody. I can learn from everybody. And if I am positive and I'm focused on how we're moving forward and what we're doing that's good and what we're doing that's right, then that's going to give me the momentum, I, I think, to stay engaged and to, and to stay growing. I mean, the truth of the matter is, you've had life experiences I haven't had. You've done things that I haven't done. And you see life from a different perspective than I see it now, because I don't know what it's like. While I grew up through the same time period as you did, I didn't grow up at your age mm. as you did. So you have a, a different perspective just by your stage of life and everything that you're doing. So there's so much that I can still learn. Well, I think, honestly, Ken, I think that's a really evolved perspective. Uh, I don't know that everyone's looking at life that way, but that might help. I, I think that's a really cool. So I want to dive into this one more level, because if I was to summarize that, it would be recognized that even though you've lived life, I, you have been 40. You have been 20, you have been 25, but you weren't 40 at the same time period that I'm 40. You weren't 25 with the same technology that 25-year-olds have now. So it's a completely life experience. And then you can learn from that. So it sounds like learning is a huge portion of this and recognizing the ability to learn from others. But you said something there about 
focusing on, I'm going to phrase it as focusing on the work or the purpose. Cause you said, you know, keeping that in mind. So do you focus on the work or do you focus on the person? Like, what do you do? You know, when you're, when you're in a work environment and maybe you are frustrated with leadership, you are frustrated regardless of age, but you're frustrated with leadership, which if you're a boomer in the workplace, they're probably younger than you. Statistically speaking, if you're frustrated with a leader, they're probably your junior in some capacity. How do you manage that? How, what advice would you give to people out there that are maybe struggling with some of this? They're not seeing things the way that you see. How do you how do you get there? And you know, every situation is going to be different and every work environment is going to be different. But again, as I said, if you focus on your mission, what you're doing, what you're, what you're wanting to accomplish, how you're being productive. I think that you have to learn, even if I don't agree with how you're doing it, I have to allow you the chance to lead us to do it that way if you're my boss. Hmm. So I have to have that grace and I have to allow that. And I have to be open to saying, maybe I'm not right on this one. Maybe he has a different perspective and this is the way that we need to go. Uh, I guess I, I gave up a, a while ago trying to decide that I was the smartest person in the room and that I knew everything and that if it, people would just do it my way, we would all get better. I love those ideas, Ken. Well, let's go back in time because you're talking about all these things that you've learned. Like you just said, I've learned to give up the idea of trying to be the smartest person in the room. So what's something you wish you would have known at 22 that maybe you're learning now? What If you could go back in time, then what do you wish you knew way back then? You know, when I was 22, I stress a lot about figuring everything out. You know, if I could have known at 22 that I wouldn't get married till I was 44, holy cow, could I have enjoyed those years a whole lot more. But, you know, every Thanksgiving, when you get married, how come you're not, you know, and it's like, hey, it's not a race. It's okay. So, uh, you know, the jobs that I had until I was about 35, I lettered tombstones. I was a youth minister. I taught math in Kingston, Arkansas. I did all kinds of different things and it was okay. I didn't have to have it all figured out. And God really brought everything together, all my different parts of my life uh, to what I do now. And I, I love it. Well, we have, well, we have a ton of young people who listen to this podcast and I actually think that's really good advice. I'm going to summarize that with one statement. Life is not a race. That's a great, that one phrase, honestly, if I could have learned that younger, I'm still learning that. Yes. I'm still trying to teach myself, slow down. It's okay. Life is not a race. You know, you're not in competition with the world. Chill out. That's really, really good stuff. I'm going to ask you a two-part question here. Part number one, what is something then that frustrates you about other generations? And it could be really young people in general, the youngest of the workforce. It could be people, you know, who are you know, my age. It doesn't matter. What's something that frustrates you about other generations if we're generalizing here? What's something that frustrates you? If we are being generalizing, uh, you know, one of the things that's frustrating for me is when you get set in your ways and you don't want things to change and you're not open to different perspectives. You're not open to, to listening to other things. Uh, we had a situation the other day where uh, someone said, we're going to have to shut this down. We can't do it. And there wasn't a discussion of hmm. if we want to do it, we could do it differently. If we want to, you know, they just it's cut and dried, you know, and so little of life is really, truly black and white. There are more way than one way to skin a cat. You, you can do things differently and still be successful. Maybe not as wildly successful as you had hoped, but you can still be successful. And so uh, I get frustrated with people that aren't open, that don't want to change, that don't want new experiences, that don't want to try something else, that feel like they have to be right, that they, it has mm. to be done their way. And that is typically older people. 
I, I will say that uh, I'm not good with negativity. I don't like people that are always putting everything down, even if they don't believe it that way. They just want to be the negative voice to say, no, we can't do it. Mm, mm. How about this one? What's something that let's talk specifically about millennials, Gen Z for a moment, because you work, uh, you have coworkers, you're a professor, you work with this age demographic quite a bit. So what is something that the audience might be surprised by that you find great encouragement with? I love their ability to use technology. I love their ability to do multiple things at one time. But uh, some of the knowledge that they have in video and uh, editing and, and, and the quality of pictures that they can take and the quality of interviews that they can do, it's absolutely phenomenal. It's really great. I envy that. I envy that ability to... Uh, they, they track a lot of things. They record a lot of things. They, they remember a lot of things. And I love how they do that. You said something really, since we're talking about young people and the good and the bad things that we love, because I, I'm, I'm encouraged by this generation too, but you said something earlier when we were talking about that JFK assassination and reference, you said, well, just as a society, we had a lot more respect for the presidency. And while I like the fact that we do hold our authorities, our politicians, our president, I do think that we hold them to a higher level of accountability, but I think that may be falling into scrutiny and cynicism. So what's something that you think we could reach back from the past and pull into today's? Like if you were going to give young people a piece of advice, it's like, you know what? As someone who's been on this earth for a few decades, here's something that I wish we could pull this back in a little bit more that maybe we're, we're losing. I would 100% say listening. I feel like we've gone from, oh, so you really like that artist. Tell me why you like him. Tell me what you like about that. What we're, we're you know, to bring me in. Instead, we say, what? You like him? No, no, you can't like him. Let me tell you what that says about you. Let me tell you what that means. We, we're so quick to want to demand that people like the things that we like, believe the things that we believe, endorse the things that we endorse, that we're losing that ability to just listen and say, what what makes you look at this differently than I look at that? Bring me in. Show me where you're coming from. I want to know your thought processes. I want to hear that. So we need more early morning breakfasts with coffee on a porch just talking. You know, one of the things I love about Paradigm Shift are the road trips, we learn so much about each other when we don't have other things going on, but we're just truly listening and asking the dumb questions about, you know, uh, if you could be a donut, what kind of donut would you be or whatever? But, <laughs> but we're, we're learning, we're, we're growing, we're, we're, we're deepening our relationships and our roots with each other. And I'd love to see more of that. As always, great answer, Ken. I, I'm surprised I am never surprised when you give me a great answer. I got a few questions for you, Ken. This is for the Good Leader Mixtape. I may be more excited about these answers than any others. You're very well read. You're very well versed. So these are some quick hits. If we're going to be a good leader out there, what is something I should be reading? Wow. That's hard. You know, I'm a big seven habits guy. The seven habits for highly effective college students is actually really, really good. And he's very good about uh, taking things from your mind, how it starts in your thought processes. What you think affects what you do, affects what you get. Very, very good. Uh, books like Essentialism were wonderful. Atomic Habits. Wow, so much in the habits. 
Right now, I'm really into Brene Brown. Dare to Lead is a phenomenal book. Braving the Wilderness is what I'll be using with my freshman this fall. Uh, I really like her perspective, but she's got a lot of emotional intelligence and vulnerability and what I'm talking about, more of those personal relationships and growing deeper that way. Fantastic. I got a few more, Ken. I mean, I could just talk to you. We need to have an entire book edition. Anj, put it on the list. I want to have just a book edition where we talk about books that people should be reading. Question number two, I'm going to ask you all these, Ken. So these are quick hits. Get ready. First thing that pops in your head, what is something as a good leader I should start doing? It's it's all with your habits. So I think the first thing you need to do is an inventory of are the decisions that you're making today helping you to become who you want to be and doing what you, where you want to go. I always said I wanted to learn another language. I wasn't doing anything. And then Bradley Solomon says, hey, Duolingo is a free app. Put it on your phone. You can do 15 minutes every day. It's free. So I've been doing that for a year and a half now. And I am learning Spanish. I'm not fluent yet, but I know so many more words and, con- and the conjugations and the, the, the feminine and masculine and all that. So uh, it's, it makes me happy. Great job. What's something I should stop doing as a good leader? Uh, Wasting time, or at least recognizing when you're wasting time. Uh, I know for a fact, if I need to waste 30 minutes, I can get on TikTok because I'll be lost. (laughs) It just goes, it just 30 minutes is gone, you know? So uh, I think really being more intentional with my time and not wasting time. Oh, that is a great question. I'm going to add to some of our workshops. If you had to waste 30 minutes right now, what's the most effective way? What is the most effective way? Mine is scrolling on Netflix, actually, when I'm just like, I want to watch something and I don't actually watch anything. I just scroll Netflix for like 30 minutes and go. But that drives me crazy because I then I don't have to, I've wasted the time and I can't really watch anything then. And I didn't find anything I wanted to watch. Ken, I just told you it was a waste of time. I started yes. by admitting this is a waste. I, didn't, <laughs> I know, I know. But it, that frustrates me <laughs> that I, that when I do that though, because I really do want to find something to watch. I do better <laughs> with people's recommendations. I really am a sucker for if you say it's a good show to watch, I'm probably going to try to watch it. Oh, man. Okay, well, I'll talk to you after the podcast because I've got a few lined up for you. All right, here we go. What is a risk worth taking? Ooh. You know, they say that you can lose weight if you eat less food, but there's no way to try it. There's no way to prove that out. I don't think there is. Well, deep questions get deep answers. I got one more for you. All right. Okay, Ken, you're very well read. You're also well listened. What is on your playlist right now? Everyday Inspiration. My favorite song right now is about forgiven. Um, I, I lo- Have you ever heard it? No. Your it's... forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Okay. You haven't okay. heard it? I, I don't know. What's the name of the song? Your Forgiveness. Your Forgiveness. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Great. I think it might be also called Holy Water. Very close titles, by the way. One or the other. Either yeah. your forgiveness well, or... Well, they're both, they're, they're both words <laughs> in the song. And it's very, both very important. <laughs> okay. All right. I really thought you were going to say Mickey Dolan's uh, greatest hits post the monkeys, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. Hey, Ken Thompson, it has been a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for sharing. And I will... I'm not surprised. I think your answers are insightful, meaningful, and give us lots of practical application regardless of our age. Thank you, William McKinley Thompson, for being the here. The third. The third. (laughs) So regal. See you, buddy. Thank you. Enjoyed it. All right. That was good. Now what? 
Now what from Ken Thompson? I tell you what, every time I talk to Ken, he is so smart. He's one of the best facilitators we have. He's an amazing speaker. If you want Ken Thompson to come and speak, check out ParadigmShiftLeadership.com because I guarantee you, he is a wealth of knowledge. And Ken's maybe best attribute is some of the stuff that he was saying about listening. I feel like he does such a great job of making every person he talks to feel like the most important person in the world yeah. at that moment. There's so much to admire there. I got. What do you got? What are your takeaways, Anj? Yeah. You know, I have to say, I didn't tell you this before. That was like my first time actually meeting Ken. Oh, seriously? I've, yeah. I've scheduled him for stuff, but that was like my first actual, I couldn't have picked him out in a crowd before. Okay. Never seen him. Never seen him before. So I was so impressed. I'm like, he was like the the dad, the role model, the parent, <laughs> the mentor that everyone wants, I would think. <laughs> he is great. He is so, so insightful. He, he does a great job. He's somehow, he's insightful without being condescending and he is direct without being overbearing. Totally. He, he balances this all so well, which I think we're all striving for at the Good Leader Podcast. Okay, so you didn't even know Ken. So what, what stood no. out to you? I, I mean, honestly, so many things. I know our goal is to condense kind of in this time, but he said so much stuff. Leadership is heart. Confrontation. I loved his stuff on confrontation. Just the truth is our friend. The truth. I am a big proponent of that. His take on mentors as well was really interesting. He talked a lot about mentorship and even just asking out loud for mentors, listening, learning, motivation. I mean, he he covered a lot. There's so much we could touch on. There is. I think it's an entire new podcast to wrap this up. I, I have a couple suggestions for you, Anj, and I want your approval or disapproval right now. So suggestion number one, I think we should start the Good Leader Wall of Fame. You know, <laughs> our guests are dropping dynamite things each week, but he dropped the facts. Facts are friends, yep. which I think we could do a whole episode on that with the confrontation. So let's just table all of confrontation. Yep. Facts are friends. Your favorite. What's your favorite phrase? Clarity is kind. Clarity clear, is kind. Clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. If you were a guest on the Good Leader Podcast, that might make it to the Wall of Fame, but you're not, so it doesn't. (laughs) You're not on the Wall of Fame. Ken Thompson may be our first member of the Wall of Fame with this dynamite drop, Facts Are Friends. I find that to be so true, but that's just the confrontation piece. I love what he was saying about the mentor that you alluded to and how do you work for people younger than you? you? How do you find this humility? How do you find this willingness and he talked about learning. He talked about giving people the opportunity to succeed. He talked about listening, which I think that's a recurring theme here with all these. So yep. here's my second proposal. We've discovered a lot today. We discovered that I'm a closet boomer. I mean, I really appreciated <laughs> that you aged me like 20 years in 20 minutes. So that was great. A- anytime. We talked about the five rites of passage in the first segment, which I think is, so, I, I honestly, Anj, when I'm working with groups, I think that alone may be worth its weight in gold as a leader, especially as an established leader, as an older generation, just to realize part of my problem, maybe I view you as a child, not an adult, and I need to stop thinking that way. Just because the rites of passage have changed, just because the goalpost has moved, you're not married, you don't have kids, yeah. you know, I don't view you as a child. I think yeah. that's something that people should wrestle with. So if you are a leader in the workplace who has some years on you and you're looking at younger people, if you're thinking of them as a child, we have to we have to pause on, we have to pause and we have to caution ourselves against that. But my proposal is this. Next week we're gonna have Olivia Mangum from the team. She is our resident Gen Z expert. She has she her favorite book when it comes to Gen Z is called Gen Z Unfiltered, right? Am I getting all this yep. right, Ange? It's yep. a great book, yep. by the way. That's the one we're gonna talk about. 
It's a great book by Tim Elmore. Um, once again, we should get Tim on the show. Let's reach out. Have you texted Brene yet? You know, Ken, Ken, um, Ken said yeah, Brene I'm Brown. We should read I, that. And you saw my face. I didn't even jump I in. I saw it. I saw it. But you know it. I wanted to. About, I just sat here well, like, okay. Text Brene Brown. Jared. We'll get her on the show. I'm going to start a Brene Brown counter starting today. Okay, this is the first day that we have not had Brene Brown. How many episodes before we get Brene Brown on the show? I'm going to do one of those documentaries on tracking down Brene. You know, <laughs> the Brene train. The Brene. We got to come up with something catchy for that. But I'm just going to reach out soon. How many? This is the first episode that she's not on. But it's okay. Brene, call the Good Leader Podcast. <laughs> I want to bring out a lot of what Ken talked about in our summary episode when we talk about all these things, we're going to dive into the book, Gen Z Unfiltered, because really when we're talking about cross-generational leadership, it really hinges on working with people younger than you, especially Gen Z. There's a lot of conversation out there. So I want to talk about the book next week. And I want to bring out some of these lessons that we not only learn from Ken, our boomer, but also our other boomer, me, and all the other people. We learned a lot from our, our millennial, our resident millennial of all millennials, Lindsay. We're going to hear from our Gen Z expert next week. We heard from three Gen Zers who are interns now. We heard from Kevin, who is our Gen Xer, the forgotten, the silence, the who knows, Gen X, who are they? Where are they? And then Ken, of course, did a great job. So what's your closing remarks about today as we really are setting ourselves up for next week? We've got so much to unpack. I think we've learned a lot and I can't wait to hear what you've learned. But what's your what's your closing argument for today? You know, I think we all, we're on a podcast, so we're already doing this. If you're listening, you're already about 70% of the way there. But I think we all have to learn, listen and listen well. Oh, that is really good stuff. I agree. If you're listening to this podcast or any other podcast, you know, you're probably on the right track. And at the Good Leader Podcast, we don't have it all together, but we're all on the same journey. Whether it's our families, whether it's our places of worship, our places of business, we're all trying to do the best that we can. I hope that today has been meaningful to you. I hope that you had some fun with Anja's quiz. I know I did, even though it aged me a little bit, but maybe it gave me a little bit of nostalgia to think back at the good old days. And remember, we're making the good old days right now. So make them the best we can. Go out and be a good leader.